everybody. This is Eddie Dasis. We're here with another episode with um, a special guest. So we uh, this episode is sponsored by EatCore. EatCore is a gym. If you want to look great, if you want to shred um, some weight, you should check them out. EatCore. EatCore now. Now is the time to hop into the hottest 45-minute group fitness class around. Give us a try absolutely free with our free three-day pass. Get a great workout and have fun at the same time. Whether an athlete or someone looking to shed a few pounds, hit core workouts, keep you motivated and part of an awesome community all in under 45 minutes. See you at the gym. Yes, it cool. So, like I said, if you want to look great, so they have two locations, one in Braintree, Massachusetts, and Burlington, Mass. So now we have another sponsor, which is uh, Dasis Facility Management. If you're looking for facility management for your properties, commercial building, church, um, school, you should call them 617-237-0106 or go online, dasisfm.com. Do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations? That's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. That's is FM. So like like promised, so this is Divine Purpose Podcast and we excited to have this guest. Her name is Jennifer Williams. She's a public health communication specialist and content writer. She specializes in plain language communication. That means she takes complex topics and make them easier to understand for the public. Those are my words, but we have Jennifer here today. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So excited to have you today and welcome to the show. Um, This is Divine Purpose Podcast. Let's go with the intro now. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. Like we said, we have Jennifer today. So Jennifer, we have like a famous question we ask our guests. So this question, some people say it's loaded, but I don't, I'm going to wait for your reaction. What can you tell us about you today? Uh, well, my name is Jennifer Williams, and I'm a public health communications specialist. And um, I, I suppose... Well, I have three kids. Mm. Wow. Um, and I am very busy all the time. I volunteer at their school. Uh, I volunteer for nonprofits. I have four cats. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for rescuing animals. So I, I always tend to end up with animals in my house that need rescue. Really? Um, uh, yeah, it, it just is a thing that occurs. So if I find an animal in need of rescue or someone contacts us and they need an, an animal with a temporary home, then we, we end up with it. Here's one now. She just got fixed. So she's got her phone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, how did you get into doing this? Rescuing animals? Um, yes. Well, my family, I was raised in a family filled with animal lovers. My great uncle has a farm. Uh, I spent some time on the farm when I was a kid. I've always been surrounded by animals. Yeah. And my youngest daughter wants to be a veterinarian. 
Mm. Well, that's good. So it's a good way for her to learn. No, makes sense. So let's let's go with this question. So this is something, and I, I appreciate you sharing this with the audience today. Like I said, um, when we ask this question, we don't know where the guest taking us. It's a journey. So let's talk about your favorite childhood memory. Can you talk okay. about your favorite childhood um, memory? All of my favorite childhood memories have to do with snow. I live in the South, and we don't get a lot of snow. Mm, so wow. snow is a rare occurrence. Um, if we're lucky, it might snow once a year and we usually just kind of get a dusting. So I remember when I was very small, maybe five years old, Okay. my parents woke me and my brother up in the middle of the night because it started snowing and and you have to you have to understand here in the south the snow might not be there in the morning it might melt oh wow so, so about, i was about five years old and they woke us up in the middle of the night um to go play in the snow what no, that's I'm, that's that's good that's dedication yeah. now right there that's dedication so let's let, we're gonna take another term let's let's move into um this is a question that usually take our guests to to kind of travel back to their journey in terms of looking back and look all they did. So the question goes like this. What are the three most challenging events in your life and how did they challenge you? Um, well, I would say the first most challenging event in my life was finishing school at all. Uh, I'm a first generation high school graduate. Uh, no one in my family, um, you know, my parents didn't graduate high school. Wow. And my grandparents didn't graduate high school. Hmm. Um, I did not grow up, you know, privileged or with a lot of money um, or with a lot of su support academically. Hmm. Um, and so I wanted to graduate high school. It was very important to me. And it was very important to me to go to college and to graduate. And I, I sort of had to figure that stuff out by myself. Mm. So that was very challenging for me. Um, the second event, when I was 19 years old, um, now my grandparents raised me, but my parents are my parents. Uh, and when I was 19 years old, my father completed suicide. He was bipolar. Okay, so I um, that. Uh, and that was, um, as you could imagine, um, a very hard way to lose someone, especially a parent. Yeah. Uh, so that challenged me mentally because I was trying to complete my first year of college. And then that happened. It was very hard. Um, and then I suppose, overall, I live with a lot of rare chronic medical conditions, okay. and I am disabled. Okay. So I have to find ways to navigate life as a disabled person. Mm. And that can be very challenging in a multitude of ways. Yeah, I have to right. find ways to do everything a little differently than most people. Wow. And, and like I said, thank you for sharing. We appreciate you saying this. Um, let me, if you allow me, let's go a little bit deeper on, you said sure. your first generation high school graduate, right? Mm -hmm. But where did that urge to go beyond that path where you wanted to go to finish high school and then go to college? Where did that get you? So where did you study to mold that um, desire? Well, I was I was always very good in school. Um, I was considered academically gifted early on, okay. and I loved learning. And I knew I didn't want to stop learning, and I didn't want to stop with high school. And my grandmother actually said, "You should go to college um, because you're smart. You should go to college." Uh, I don't think she knew how to get me there, but she, she thought you should go to college. And then I had teachers who, who said, Jennifer, you shouldn't stop here. You should go to college. Um, 
And so I knew I wanted to go and there were people telling me to go. Okay. And that helped. So, so if you can take us to, to this, because uh, for people who might be in the same situation, what was your process in terms of choosing a college, applying for colleges? Because you, you, know, you technically, you, you're the primary and nobody did it before. I know you probably um, might have helped. I applied to a lot of colleges and I, I applied to in-state schools because they were cheaper. Yeah. And then I threw my hat in the ring and I applied to an Ivy League college and I got in. Mm. But I very quickly discovered that I couldn't afford it. Even with the scholarship, it was out of my league. Um, so I threw it in the trash and I didn't tell anybody that I got in. Just threw it in the trash. Um, even with the scholarship, after I saw what the tuition was, I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> and um, then I looked at my in-state, my in-state schools that I'd gotten into. Yeah. And I, I went with the one with the cheapest tuition because I figured that would be the one that I would be able to figure out. Okay. <laughs> Somehow. That yeah. was my process. And I think that paid off, right? It did. It paid off because... I got an education and nobody can take that away from you. No, definitely. So let's go to this because I like to ask this question where people always smile and take a, they always take a break to think about it. What was the best? So which of your accomplishment you the proudest? Which of my accomplishments are, am I proudest of? Um, you know, I've done a lot in my life. And the thing that I'm actually proudest of um, is something I did as a graduate assistant in college. When I was in college, I became the graduate assistant to the grad. I was a graduate assistant when I was getting my master's degree and I became the graduate assistant to the Dean of graduate studies. Okay. And I said, um, you know, they were talking about, matriculation rates, you know, whether or not people stay are able to stay in college okay. um, when they go for their master's degree or a PhD. And yeah. they recognized, you know, first generation graduate students don't stay. And I said, well, I'm a first generation graduate student and we can't stay because this culture is so different from anything that we know and we're completely unprepared for it. Yeah. And we don't have any of the support systems in place that everybody else does. Yeah. They have parents paying for their college. They have all this other stuff. And I helped create a program that my alma mater still uses mm. to help people who are seniors in undergrad who are going to apply for grad school, go through and pick their grad programs and figure out how to apply, how to find funding, um, be introduced to graduate programs in the culture of grad study so that they can stay and well, learn without feeling that overwhelm. And I'm very, very proud of that. I'm so, so proud of that. And, and I think you should definitely be proud of that because this is a legacy. This is you helping others um, breaking through with their life and their dream. So this is, uh, let's talk about this because I realize most people, they don't have, they never really think about it this way. What was your dream job in high school, in college when, and now? When I was in high school, I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a stage manager on Broadway, which is the person backstage who manages all of the theater productions and the shows Yeah, from backstage. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And then when I was in college, I thought I wanted to be a professor. Okay. Um, because I got introduced to a whole new world when I was in college and all these new possibilities. So I thought, I, I want to be a professor. I want to do that, which is how I ended up in grad school. I'm going to be a professor. I'm going to, 
I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and life had other plans for me. Um, and now I'm, I'm doing my dream job. I love educating people and I love writing and I love helping people. Yeah. And that's what I get to do with what I do now. What is the best compliment you ever gotten? Um, I had a student uh, in college tell me I was the reason they graduated. Wow. Uh, that was the best compliment I've ever gotten. So what was it like in terms of, okay, I know they said it, but what was your reaction? Um, I said, you're the reason you graduated because you stuck with it. Yeah. So, and I'm glad because I'm talking with somebody who's impacting lives. Do you ever think about how many people you impacted with your with your gift or with you doing what you like to do? Um, every time I sit down to write public health messaging, I try to be so intentional with how I write it because I think I want to make sure that this messaging can reach as many people as possible and help as many people as possible. I want people to have all of the information they need to be healthy, to have all of the information that they need to understand an illness or understand how to help themselves or understand how to take that information to the doctor or the health department or wherever they need to and say, look, I have this information and I want to know how best to use it. So I think about it every time I sit down and write, how can I make this help as many people as I can? Um, I think this question is related to all writers. When was the time you realized you you realized you have a gift to write? Um, I've always loved writing. Um, the first time I got published, I was eight years old. I got published in an anthology of poetry for young Americans. Mm, wow. And my grandmother says when I was three years old, I brought her a pen and paper and made her write down a song I made up. <laughs> I guess I've always, I've always liked the written murder or, you know, stories. Um, so I guess I've, I've always loved it. I think I realized, um, I really realized it in middle school when I brought a book of poetry that I wrote to school and other students started taking it and asking me if they could write down my poems because they liked them. Yeah. And I thought, oh, um, people like this. I didn't think people would like it. I didn't even intend to show them to anybody. Somebody just took it. Okay. Started reading it. <laughs> wow. So when did you have your first professional writing gig? Um, right out of college, my first official writing gig was right after I graduated college. Uh, I started uh, freelancing and working, um, writing educational materials for history curriculum. Yeah. And then I started writing educational materials for museums and historic sites because I have a degree in history. So if if you had to, let's say, because this is something we, we realize where you will like the wish. I wish I knew this. Is there something you wish you know before you study your career? I wish that I knew that networking was so important, that you really do have to talk to people and try to meet people yeah. um, to get ahead. That's not something 
that I think working class people automatically know. Yeah. And when you come from a working class background and working class family like I did, that that's just not inherent knowledge. You just go fill out an application and you get a job. When I was 14 and I went to work, I went and filled out an application and I got a job. Yeah. That's not really how it works when you want professional positions. A lot of the time you have to, it's who you know. Wow. Wow. That's, that's deep saying this because it's true because we focus on our talent, you know, but right. we're not focused on meeting people. But what was your process? So when did you kind of realize this is something you have to do and how did you go about it? Um, I didn't actually know that until after I graduated college and had trouble finding a job. And I was like, what is happening? And I started talking to my professors and they were like, why are you networking? And I was like, what even is that? Are you talking about? <laughs> um, and <laughs> one of them explained to me what it was. So, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Nobody told me to do that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why would I do that? Nobody told me to do that. You go and you apply for a job. Uh, so I had to figure out how to do that. And I had to ask a lot of people, how do you even do that? I don't want to do that. So I joined some, you know, young networking organizations. If you Google, you know, young professionals, yeah. it'll come up with a whole bunch of organizations in your area join those okay join them that's what you do and then those people know people and it'll help yeah and, and this is great to hear because this is something we want people like uh, newcomers people who just graduate people who just um, starting their career to realize that networking is important so now is it pay, did you have a chance to get more opportunities because you were networking? Yes. I definitely got more opportunities because I was networking. Uh, internships also help. And, you know, being willing to learn how to open up and talk to people and just introduce yourself and say hello and smile. And, you know, that helps. So um, this is... Um where I, I I talk to people about this, where we said, okay, yes, you were a writer, but is there a chance where you, not a chance, but a moment, an instant where your mind, like your brain freeze and you kind of have to reset. <laughs> What's your process to reset and what, like, how do you go about starting a new project? Um, when I need to reset and start a new project, I actually, I'm fortunate because I freelance and I have a lot of autonomy. So when I need to reset, I take a day in between a project and okay. just stop. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. When I work jobs where I can't do that, then I go directly into research so I yeah. research the new project. I immediately delve into what is the new project? What do I need to know about it? And I wipe my plate clean and start learning about whatever the new thing is. Um, this is a question I started to ask people lately. Is there, we're talking about skill skills transferable where you had a job and then what you learned from that job you're applying for a new job or a new opportunity is there any skill transferable for you in terms of your journey so far oh every skill is transferable don't let anybody tell you that no skill is transferable because they all are uh, i started out as a historian working in museums and I wrote educational programming for museums and historic sites. And I transitioned from that to writing curriculum for social studies. And I transitioned from that to being a copy editor and a copywriter for publishing houses. And mm. now I write public health. Wow. <laughs> so every skill is transferable. I 
I took the skills from educating people about history to educating people about public health. I took the skills from writing. You can write about anything. If you can research something, you can research anything. Um, All of those skills are transferable skills. If you've worked retail, then you have customer service skills that you can transfer to a customer service job. Any skill you have is transferable. Um, so let, let's take a side. Let's take a, a quick um, turn in terms of like business, the business side of uh, a wider, because you kind of have to be business minded to keep um, to stay in the game, to feed your family, and to keep working, right? So, what was your process in terms of how do you charge? What's the like how long you like? What's the hours? So I always take this example. So you you call a lawyer, right? And they tell you it's two fifty, four fifty an hour. At the end of the day, some people will not understand that the way that's their livelihood. That's how they feel the family. But how do you go as a writer to charge on a project? Um. You know, different freelancers charge different amounts. It depends. I have a graduate degree. I have more than a decade of experience in writing and publishing. I have worked with lots of different agencies, government agencies and nonprofit agencies and different healthcare agencies over time. And so I know my worth and I know that I have lots of different skills. So I'm able to set my fee higher than other people. Okay. And so I set my fee and I can either, I tell people I can either charge you hourly or I can charge you a project based fee. Okay. Depending on what the project is. And I will, if I charge a project based fee, then I try to set an hourly cutoff. Like this is the amount of hours that this project is going to take. This is what the project is going to entail. You can't add more stuff to this project. This is the project outline, right? You have to be specific. This is the project outline. This is what's in the project. If you want to add on top of that, then we're going to have to add more fees. You, you can't be nice. Yeah. And <laughs> so do now, more because people so, will take advantage. Oh no, so you didn't learn this the first day, right? Um Did you? Well What I mean is you you probably make you some know, mistake and adjust it, right? Yeah, I I started out trying to be super nice and then I figured out people will just take advantage of that. Um, and I was like, you know what? Nope, not going to do it. <laughs> it. It doesn't take me long to learn my lesson. So after once or twice, I was like, this is how this is going to be. I'm going to set, I'm going to set some boundaries. And you have to, because like you said, people would definitely take advantage. So we, we excited to have Jennifer Williams today. She's a writer and she's here with us with Divine Purpose Podcast. But before we go to break, we only have like a few seconds. Do you, which, which of your, which of your job you the most, like you have more like joy or more um, or you're more relaxed to do? Is it writing for public health or is it historical writing? Which one is your favorite topic to cover? I actually enjoy either one. I don't have a favorite. Okay. I just like writing. Wow. That's great. Great to hear. So yeah. let's go to a break with um, Jennifer Williams today. Um, we're excited to have her. So this is Divine Puppet Podcast with Eddie Dacius and Jennifer Williams. What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. 
Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice. Did you know that HitCore Fitness is now an SBA-approved franchisor? Now it's your opportunity to be part of a thriving business with multiple revenue streams. HIT and core strength group fitness classes, personal training and small group training, weight loss program and corporate wellness program, and much more. Crush your competition with higher than average member retention and get your return on investment in under three years. We'll see you at the gym. Yes, uh, we're back with Divine Purpose Podcast, and we have Jennifer with us today. So, Jennifer, so welcome back on this. Um, uh, we just came on from break, but definitely we have more questions for you. The question is about mentorship. I know you talk about um, networking, but let's talk about mentorship. How important is that for you, for your growth, for your career growth, for your journey? I think it depends on the person. Some people do very well working under a mentor and they need that to, um, you know, to better understand their career and to improve and do well. And some people work better by themselves and learning on their own. So I think that kind of depends on the individual. Yeah. um, And the reason I ask this question, um, definitely uh, take advantage or to advance in the career. So, is there something people misunderstand most about you? I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes people think I'm a know it all. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm not. When I don't know something, I'll say so. I'm, okay. I'm the first person to say, you know, I, I don't know about that. Can you tell me more? Can you teach me? Um, so I'm not a know-it-all. I, I do think, though, um, I do think that is probably what's most misunderstood about me, though. So, And as a, as a woman, um, as a, a woman... A lot of the times, if you're in a room working in a, a room with a lot of men and yeah. you speak up and you do know a lot, that's not always taken well. So yeah. sometimes, you know, it, it it can't come across as um, as something that would be appreciated in a man because they know a lot. It's not appreciated in a woman who knows a lot. So, Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about this a little bit because um, this is a big topic where we feel like um, uh, women investment now empowerment to say which is um, right. diversity and let's talk about it in terms of like what sh- action should be taken to kind of help this where people should feel more welcome in terms of who they are and their knowledge you know I think um I think a lot of times men have a tendency to talk over women when they're in meetings with women. And um, that's not very nice. And then if you're like me, I'm, I'm very outspoken. So I'll just be like, I'm reclaiming my time here. I'm not done talking. I was speaking. I was speaking because a man's not going to let somebody else talk over him. So why should I? I was speaking. I'm not finished. Yeah. Um, You need to let me finish before you speak. That's not taken well when a woman does it. Um, But I think a lot of times if, if, if people could just let people finish speaking and not speak Mm. over them. That would help a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. I think so too. I agree. So let's ask you this question. How important is success for you? Um, you know, I think 
it depends on your definition of success. Success is pretty important to me. But for me, I define success by am I happy with what I'm doing? And do I feel like I can be proud of what I'm doing when I tell my children what I'm doing? And so for me, I feel like I'm very successful. Other people might define success by am I getting wealthy yeah. with what I'm doing? Um I, I'm not in a field where I'm going to get super wealthy and that's okay with me. I'm not going to be rich, um, but I'm going to be financially stable. That's good enough for me. Okay. So it depends on your definition of success. I think I'm successful and success is important to me in the way that I define it. Yeah. And the way I ask this question is um, not in a categories so I, I, right. I make it general for everybody so and I, I like your answer so why you said because you we all some people focus on legacy right so legacy is important for them like knowing they are contributing to the world investment is important so where, where do you stand um I very much want to contribute to the betterment of the world. That's why I do what I do. Everything I've ever done in my life has been geared towards education in some way. I want to make the world a better place. Um, I want to leave it better in some small way. Yeah. And that's very important to me. So that's my ultimate goal. Um. That's that's great. This is very very interesting to to be honest. Um, let, let's jump to hot topic. Hot topic is a segment where we talk about um, different like a question. It's a segment important topic question related to your career question. Our audience will probably not have the chance to ask you. Let's go on a hot topic now with. The question I have for you, Jennifer, is about education. I know you, you mentioned you have two children. And uh, what, so why is, what is the team or what would be the definition for your family in terms of education? How do you guys portray education in your family? Um, I want my children to have a well-rounded, diverse education. I want them to be mindful of other humans. I grew up surrounded by a community of immigrants from all over the world. My stepfather is from Lebanon, and I consider myself incredibly fortunate that I was not raised in a vacuum with just people who are just like me. Okay. So for our family, it's very important for our children to not be raised with people who are just like them. We want them to respect diversity and to be around people from all over the place. That is education. That's the world. The world is huge. Education should include globalization, that, that the world is giant and respect for difference. That is our definition of education. Yeah, let's let's go a little bit deeper and uh, um, I like it so far uh, to be honest I like where you taking us in terms of the, your um, explanation so why do you think you want your children to experience that um I want my children to experience that because I think that it makes you a more empathetic person and it makes you more aware of the world around you and the people around you and the different belief systems and the different cultures and the different um, 
environments and countries and um, how rich the world is that everything is not about you that everything is interconnected you know yeah. that the entire world is interconnected so wow. that's why i want my kids to have that experience so and thank you jennifer this is great so can you tell us what uh what a, a wider like kids are like <laughs> What are my kids like? Oh, my kids. My kids are so interesting. Um, my my uh, 14-year-old is an artist. She loves art and taking pictures. And mm, she is, she's my introvert. She's very quiet. And she's studious. And she's she observes everything before she does anything. And then my nine-year-old is very energetic the time bouncing off the walls. She loves animals. Since she was three years old, she said she's going to work with animals when she grows up. She loves nature and being outside. And, um, you know, this child will save worms that are on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) She is, very empathetic to all living creatures and she's always experimenting and learning new things, but always outside, always outside in nature with living things. And my son just turned five and he's autistic and he is different and he sees the world in a completely different way than everybody else. And he's very neat and tidy and specific with the way that he wants things. And he sets boundaries um, very clearly and carefully. And he loves to build things. And he loves to play video games. And I'm very mm. interested to see where <laughs> where the world will take him. Yeah, there was a there was um, a story, um, an article saying that um, video games help kids or people who play video games get um, smarter at work because they they like they experience or uh, they get exposed to a lot of challenges from those games. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, because um, my next question is a little bit um, different. Where I focus on when all being said, what would be the legacy of Jennifer Williams? (laughs) You know, I don't know. I hope that when I'm gone, um, people remember me as someone who... Tried to help and who cared about justice and tried to make the world better and braver and more educated and more equal and more aware of other people. Um, I had a guess. She's also an educator and she's a writer too. And she published a great book. But um, she mentioned about her being an educator. She loves traveling. What are your what are your hobbies as a writer? Um, well, I read a lot. Uh, I do like to go out in nature with my daughter. I do like to take photos. I, I'm a, I like to take photography. You know, I, I, I like to take photos. Um, I do like to travel when I get the chance. I enjoy traveling. I like to swim. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we we had a segment where uh, it's a question we asked about um, three books you will recommend our audience. We'll probably leave it for later. So now the question is great in terms of um, why don't you think you're not going to be rich being a writer? Um, the kind of writing I do is not the kind of writing that'll make you rich. 
it's just not um i'm not stephen king and i don't write you know great novels i write educational material and that's just not the kind of writing that pays a ton of money and that's okay with me so would you would you would you take this as your mission to change the narrative <laughs> um i think that all educators should be paid more than they are i absolutely do all educators should be paid more than they are uh you're educating people and it's important so yeah i do think that all educators including writers who educate should be paid more and this probably gonna be my last question in terms of um, hot topic segment um i heard this from a lot of educators why okay we will say this is a very important job but why is not being compensated compensated at is Educators are not being compensated appropriately because politicians have decided to prioritize other things besides education when it comes to budget, even though they have money that they should prioritize towards education. Um, North Carolina is literally sitting on a billion dollars that they haven't spent. That is sitting there and has been sitting there since like 1996 for education and they could use some of that budget for teachers they're just choosing not to so and and allow me to pry a little bit it's just why 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 isn't is it so difficult to to see it in terms of like a paying people who's educating your kids or um, shaping the next generation? Um, I think most people would agree that teachers deserve to be paid more. I think that, again, politicians just don't want to pay them more. I think that, well, I think that a lot of it is that traditionally teachers are women. Women tend to be paid less than men. And jobs that are traditionally female jobs tend to be um, poor pay than other jobs. And and you're you're probably right. It's just me looking at this, and this has been questions with no answers, mostly for the for a lot for a long time. But looking at so business minded person and then who has the gift to be a writer would you think they will be successful in the ed- education um industry maybe it could be yeah because I feel like, like you said, it's it's a big problem, and we don't we don't really have an answer for it, and uh, everybody's complaining, but nothing is being done. I mean, it could be, but you really have to get the politicians to do something because they're the ones who set the budgets. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So maybe educators need to go to politics. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's a good note to end our topic. So hot topic with Jennifer Williams and this is Eddie Dasius with Divine Purpose Podcast. Yes, yeah, so we get into the crunch time closing um, question so far with Jennifer Williams. So we excited to have you, Jennifer, and uh, we, we close. We're getting close to this um, great conversation. So, what are the three books you will recommend our audience, and why? Um. Well, the first one is probably decolonizing wellness. Um, it is 
about dietitian and nutritionist and it is a body positivity book for marginalized people and I rather like it um I think that it's really good and it is um it uses wellness tools specifically designed for BIPOC and LGBTQ people so I think that it's pretty cool Okay. The, the second one would maybe be um where's my list? Gotta pull up my list. There's a book called The Health Gap. Okay. Um it's called Improving Health in an Unequal World. It's by Michael Marmot. Um and it's about the dramatic differences in health between countries and within countries. Okay. And it um, basically talks about health inequalities. And I think that right. it's a pretty it's a pretty good book. And I think and it's important to understand how different uh, people experience healthcare in different ways. So, any movies you would recommend us? Um, movies. Movies. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any. Okay. So, is there one question you wish I asked you today? Like, let me, let me ask. So, is there one question you wish I asked you today? No, I think you, you have great questions. I, I think you have really great questions. I think, um... I think your podcast is great and I think it covers a lot of great topics and helps people learn. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. It's that's mean a lot from coming from a writer, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, any last word for you, Jennifer? Um, I would just like everybody to know that you never have to stop learning. Yeah. You can learn something new every day. And that's that's a great quote from uh, Jennifer Williams. So this is Eddie Dasis with Divine Purpose Podcast. We we had Jennifer Williams today, and she's a public health communication specialist, and she's also a content writer. Jennifer, thank you for being here with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had fun. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>